This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, located in caverns deep below the metro area, which is good because we had a goddamn tornado warning today. That yeah, was really. something. <laughs> it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 647 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. My official title is head number one, but please call me by my name is Matt Buck. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick, your head number two. This episode, we're back to reviewing new comics from December 18th. No. This episode, we're back to reviewing new comics from December 8th and the 15th. And then we head up to the TH and Sanctum Sanctorum to wrap up about our must-read picks for next week. And to close out the show, we'll give you a sneak peek at our Patreon Extra for this week, the official THN gift guide for your comic-loving nerd. It's all happening in the final regular episode of 2021, and it starts with review time in this damn ziggurat. Our review pile covers the last two new Comic Wednesdays, and this time it's a festive blend of Cap, Iron Man, Cash Grabs, DC Heroes for Hire, Devils Taking Over New York City, and that's not what happens, and Plucky (laughs) Teens Fighting Crime. We'll start with four of last week's comics. Matt, why don't you kick off the final new comic reviews of 2021? Gladly. And we begin with Devil's Reign, number one from Marvel. It's $5.99. This is a big, beefy boy of a comic book. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. Here's your solicit. The story that's been building for years is here! Wilson Fisk went from kingpin to mayor of the biggest city in America and is going to bring his full criminal and political power to bear on the superheroes who call NYC home. The man who wants destroyed Daredevil has set his sights on the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and more. And since it's Fisk, once he takes them all down, you know he's going to sign it. Crossbones, Taskmaster, Typhoid, Mary, Shocker, Whiplash, Rhino, Craven! Fisk has an army of supervillains at his command, and this is just his opening salvo. For years, Fisk has waited for his time to strike, and you won't believe the aces he's got up his sleeves. For those of you wow. just tuning in or checking us out, whenever they put something in caps, we tend to scream it. It's fun. I don't, you know, it kind of takes some of the magic out of it if you explain it every single time. Well, I don't want them to think we're just insane. <laughs> just let them think it. That's part of our charm. The Daredevil creative team's first Marvel crossover starts here, and it doesn't waste any time getting into Fisk's plan, but it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. After a brief press conference, Mayor Fisk announces legislation that makes superheroes illegal in NYC and groups of teched-up Thunderbolt cops, led by Spidey and, D- and Daredevil's most fearsome foes, start kicking in the doors of the likes of the Fantastic Four. It's not a bad setup at all, but it did feel... A little derivative of Marvel's first Civil War, only I would argue there was a buildup, including an incident that led up to what happened next in Civil War. New Warriors blew up a school. The government jerked its knee and overreacted. They wanted all the heroes to sign up and be counted. Some didn't go for it. See Civil War for more of that. 
Upon second read, it's clear that there is a montage that implies a buildup to what comes next, but the cops sure seem to go from zero to murder very quickly in a couple scenes Yeah, they do. Zdarsky's script isn't bad, but the plot happened fast, and it, it seems a little strange for Fisk, who supposedly cleaned up his corrupt roots at this point. No, it says who? Okay, I'm no. Just keep go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. You know that I got thoughts. Go no, ahead. I know you do, but that was part of the deal. Like, if no, we, if we're no. gonna use him like a puppet, you gotta pretend to clean your crap up. And yes, pretend, pretend to clean sure. your, clean but, your crap I mean, he up. Put pretend. his son in charge of the empire and everything, and he's supposed yeah. to be away from it so they can't connect him at this point uh-huh, uh-huh. working with the rhino and doc ock seems like a bad idea for your rep i don't know i mean look trump worked with mark I mean, meadows and he seems to be it okay, was so. good enough for norman osborne when he was in charge yeah but that was different shield and the u.s and the full weight of the u.s government were behind that no there was no shield shield was dead norman was running shield no norman formed his own organization called hammer oh hammer that's right that's right so hammer was replacing shield chichetto is excellent here and proves he's more than capable of working on any title in the marvel you i love the way his rhino looks and colorist oh, you didn't like it oh i thought it looked really cool i i this is this will be my only comment about the art the art is great yeah uh i love his like big beefy john romita jr stocky shocker yeah i love that it's like yeah shocker is wearing a mattress an yeah, entire mattress great. around like I like that, uh, and I like the art is good all around. I hate it when artists draw the rhino in a mask. I hate it. Oh, see, it doesn't. Or he's got me something covering eyes. I hate it. I hasn't don't. It's he, a, hasn't he it's looked a, like this for a little while? It's a, now? It's an, no, it's an aesthetic choice. Okay. I do not like it. The rhino, you You're can see like his whole the face. You can see his whole face. Okay. I don't like it when it's got. He's got his eyes covered like Batman. I think it's stupid. Didn't bother me that much. The colorist, Marcio Menez, apologies, probably got that wrong, makes the art absolutely glow on every page. This isn't a bad first issue, but I am a little tired of outlawed hero stories and making it a law in New York City only seems a little silly for what was otherwise been a very well thought out and executed Daredevil run. I get it. This is the blockbuster event, but Zdarsky jumped from a very personal Daredevil Electra story to blockbuster in an instant, which you got to do in issue one. I know I'm giving this a buy it. And I think I'm really going to like it by the end. It just <clears throat> moved pretty quick for me. Okay. I think that if you revisit those past events, you compared it to, you will find that, uh, from the inciting incident in civil war, uh, to the outlawing of all superheroes that aren't registered. It happens in the blink of an eye in civil war. Number one, uh, the, the explosion in Stanford is in the first issue of civil war. Number one, mm-hmm. it does not happen in another event. It doesn't happen in another comic. It happens in that book. And then before the end of the first issue, they are after captain America with machine guns and jet planes. So that's look, fair. It that's every event. Every event is going to have this compressed, like montaged kind of, um, expression of time. For like sure. in the, in the script, uh, Zdarsky says has the kingpin say that he had been working with lawmakers for weeks to get this law on the books, and now effective immediately. You, if you, uh, all vigilante activity is outlawed. I don't want to get into um, the whole thing because we had a text chain on this. Look, I know, but, but they didn't get to see place, the text chain. Putting a law um, in place in the city alone, but look, not in I, the state. 
It's you had wacky. your piece. You <laughs> okay. had your piece, and let me talk about it. Um, now we did have a big debate about what uh, powers a city mayor, even the mayor of New York City, actually has. Do they have the power to pass laws on their own? The answer is no. Um, but the script does say he worked with lawmakers, which would be like the city council sure. and who, whomever else. And then there was a then there was a bit of debate about city well, like, council okay. can't pass laws in cities either. They can pass ordinances and stuff like that, but not laws. Yes, but uh, so even if they are even if they are just ordinances, even if uh, violating the ordinance is just a misdemeanor. That still means that Miles Morales gets busted and gets his identity processed in the system, which ruins his life forever. I don't disagree. So, uh, you know, if like it, the the end goal might not be like get all heroes off the street. It might be like just these heroes so bad that they don't even bother. I I don't disagree, but they did open fire on the thing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like there are things like I like the 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 cops, the thunder cops show up and it's not even well, Doc Ock is there, but it's like it's not even but they don't even send like a team of villains. U.S. agent is there and he's a federal. No, that's on the street. No, that's when they go to arrest uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I'm just saying he's one of these agents. Yeah. Uh, well, but that's, that's just it. He's a company man. Like us agent is a government stooge and he always has been. And like he ran, he, he was the warden of the prison where the last Thunderbolts came from. I I guess I'm just saying everything that you just named is federal level stuff that was ordered. Yes, you're right. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, so there, there are things, there are things that seem like they could be like, could this happen in a, on a city level? But then Zdarsky will say something like, I'm from Homeland Security and I'm working with the NYPD. We're right. here to shut you down, Reed Richards. And, and and it's not even that they're there to like arrest Reed Richards. They're just like, we're here to shut things down. Well, they wanted to search. Turn the over lab. all your property. They wanted to search the lab because they thought there were weapon, dangerous weapons. In yeah. And of, of course, course well, there are. It's a fantastic yes, right. four. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, put on these power dampening cut like, and it wasn't until the FF fight back that the guns come out. Even that, I will agree with you, is ridiculous. They like they bust into a room full of children, right? And open fire, and thank God the thing is there. Now there is a great moment with the thing. That is a great moment. It was yeah. excellent. Um. So yes, like some of it is some of it is weird, and I I think for me, like I read that as like, well, this is just typical event time compression, uh, where we're gonna see more of this in like the Devil's Reign Fantastic Four tie-in or whatever. And, and that's fine. Um, as far as like anything getting done at a city level, um, I kind of hand waved it away because he's the kingpin. And yes, I know he's not technically the kingpin, but he is still the kingpin and he is still under the thumb of those rich Illuminati assholes that secretly run the world. So this is a buy it for me. Matt and I butted heads about the plausibility of the premise, but it's very well done. The art is beautiful. Yeah. Except for the rhino stupid dumb mask. I it's a buy it. Whatever happens, you win. That's why I'm the kingpin. Speaking of government stooges, my first book is Captain America Iron Man number one from Marvel. It's $3.99. It's written by Derek Landy with art by Angel Unzueta. Here's your solicit. A government agent turned Hydra provocateur stages a daring breakout on her way to prison. Who calls her that? Does she call herself that? I'm a Hydra provocateur. I don't think anybody's self-described that, but they might be like how the FBI addresses her. Sure, right. I bet that's rampant in the FBI. (laughs) 
attracting the attention of both Iron Man and Captain America. When Steve and Tony realize they both have a connection to the slippery fugitive, they team up to track her down, only to discover she's not the only player on the board with big plans and sinister motives. Derek Landy, who you may recognize from books like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and The Black Order, and Angel Unzueta from Iron Man and Star Wars, team up to bring you a thrilling adventure starring a fan-favorite dynamic duo through no fault of this book. I was under the impression that this was some kind of spin-off or extension of Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man. Why? I, I think it's because I saw the Alex Ross covers. Oh, and I, okay. And I just assumed because right. Alex Ross has done all the covers for that book as sure, well. Sure. Regardless, I was mistaken. Uh, however, there is really nothing about this book that justifies its existence as a standalone title. I wish it were. I wish I had been correct. It's not necessarily bad, but it is the textbook definition of filler. Derek Landy's story is fine. It's a no-stakes adventure featuring one of his villain creations. I think uh, she was introduced in that Falcon and Winter Soldier miniseries. Retroactively inserted into Tony Stark's past, Tony acts and sounds like Tony with his previous drunken actions coming back to bite him in the ass. The plot is fairly straightforward, and it was kind of fun to see a bunch of lame former 50-state initiative heroes in the mix. These characters are so bad that even I don't recognize them. I could not tell you for sure if they existed before this or not. I'm with you. I wasn't I, I loved wasn't it though. Certain. And uh, Captain America is also there for reasons that are not really explained, even though the solicit says they are. The art by Angel Unzueta is also fine, if unremarkable. The dude has been in the industry forever, so he definitely knows his way around a comic book page but I'm just not that fond of his style and a lot of his faces and poses are awkward. Captain America, Iron Man is the sort of competent, but unremarkable story that maybe should have been told over a couple of annuals instead of stretched into a five issue series with superstar covers. I mean, God bless him for marketing the thing. I was duped. It's a skimmit. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say that we shouldn't, do comics like this you no know? not every comic has to be a blockbuster yeah, but not, like not everyone it, but, does but at the same time if you are going to do this sort of like fun little spin-off and it's not like labeled a limited series or something or like like i think the i think the solicits maybe mentioned it was a five issue mini it is but i don't know I, i'm looking up these characters pioneer was from marvel zombies vox was Vox an, I, is another character that appeared in Death of the Inhumans. No, that's one. the villain. But that's, that's a, a totally this is different, a different character. character. Different so, character. Yeah. I don't know if these are actual initiative characters or they just threw them in to. Or if he just made them up. He made them up and yeah. said that they were initiative characters. I think either he, way, I thought that that was great. I think he did, and that was cute. But by the time yeah. I was done with this, I just kind of felt like you know, there's a lot of other stuff I could have read this week. Yeah, like uh, look, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to say this for anybody out there that think like I don't want. Uh, people to think like, oh, we only read the blockbuster comics or the artsiest comics by the biggest name. None of that is true. No. But this is the comic book equivalent of a shrug. It's there. And I don't agree. I think after you say it, there was thinking that went into putting an Alex Ross cover on this. Yeah. So I'm not that, even saying they, that like, should Marvel have marketed it? Yeah. It's their sure. job. But doing that, I do think they're part of them is saying like, well, if you're reading Iron Man, maybe you'll just grab this and spend money on it. <laughs> so, right. Especially when there is currently no 
ongoing Captain America book, you know, yeah. like I like for some reason I had it in my head that this was a new ongoing like like they did in the days uh, of Tales to Astonish. Right. Like a uh, in the up. 60s where it was like Iron Man and the Hulk. You know, and, and I thought that this was going to be Captain America and Iron Man right. team up like every month, but there's it's no, just a it's just a mini, and that's a no fanfare, right? And like no, literally no stakes. There's no branding or anything like that. It's just Captain America, Iron Man, and it's a skim it from me, and it feels like a bit of a cash grab, quite honestly. So, but hey, you know what? That tricked me. So nothing's wrong with it. Is what it is. I'll say that about it. Right? It, yeah. It's just you know your mileage may vary, but truck. Let's completely shift gears now for Daisy number one of five from Dark Horse. It's three ninety nine. This is written and drawn by Colin Lorimer. This had me shrugging for completely different reasons. Here's your solicit. A desperate mother's five year search for her missing son leads to the small town of Brimmount and the mysterious Phillips family. Daisy Phillips, like many teenagers, has a hard time fitting in, but not for the usual reasons. <laughs> Daisy stands eight and a half feet tall and is still growing, but her troubles with ill health, daily ridicule, and custom-made clothing are only the tip of the iceberg. Daisy may well be descended from a race of cannibalistic giants spawned from the outcasts of heaven! Ah, uh, see, now they should not have given that away in the solicit. I totally agree, and that all is right. a thing, the whole story of, like, the Elohim and all I that. I know, and, you, and know. you don't, yeah, ah, stupid solicit. Colin Lorimer is one of graphic fiction's emerging, unique, creative voices, and Daisy is a tale unlike any other, a singular vision, both horrific and beautiful, quote, Lorimer's art will pull you into his world, unquote, big shiny robot. That kind of sounds like one of those like little blurbs you get for a really shitty Nicolas Cage movie where like the rest of the review was like <laughs> it's slam bang action made for morons and all they do is take uh, slam bang action, you know? <laughs> right. And they they have to put it in brackets because they're right. only using part of the quote. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I've seen Lorimer's name come up recently as a creator to watch, so I was excited to check out this new limited series, and Big Shiny Robot is telling no lies. The art is excellent. Lorimer's style is thick-lined, detailed, ugly, and somehow beautiful at the same time. He's excellent with gore without being over the top, but can still bring very good depth and point of view to the talking head scenes. The story here is dense, if you couldn't tell from the solicit. There is a massive mystery that looks like it centers around things that happened in the Bible before the flood that Noah and his family survived. I really like the setup, and there was a very effective swerve with the story that caught me by surprise. I know we've been talking a lot about this lately, but this does feel like it might be another story that will read better in trade. I like the first issue, and the last page cliffhanger definitely hit me but there is a lot of dense storytelling here that might be better just ingested in one read with that said Lorimer is living up to the hype and Daisy is one weird story that I'm saying is worth checking out I'm giving this a buy it yeah this was great uh like this was another book that Matt and I texted about last night or earlier this week just wait until you read Daisy yeah. just wait <laughs> uh and I was like all right yeah and so I read it and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, the art is tremendous. Colin Lorimer is a name that I recognize, but I don't think I've read any of his stuff. Of his stuff. I just looked it up. Um, I, I think I recognize like, him just from creators like talking about how you got to see. What yeah, or is. like seeing his name on books on the stands. Yeah. Like he drew, like he drew the prisoner uh, adaptation. He's he did a book with Michael Morisi called Burning Fields for Boom, which I I haven't read. 
So he's done a bunch of stuff. The twist with Daisy's parentage, it is a shame that they gave that away in the well, solicit. Yeah. And because it's such a great like turn of the page reveal. It's not only that like it's not only the uh reveal of Daisy and her um physical status, let's say. And uh, that is a great reveal where it's like she suddenly stands up and towers over this woman. Yeah, like, don't tell us that in the solicit. Just l- let us know there's something yeah. really different about her. And you right. know it's it like when a, you uh, see it. A, <laughs> a, yeah, right. There's two things in the book that are such great moments that, uh, like, if you went in totally cold, you would have been surprised. You would have been like, ooh, ooh, T- twice. You know, without a doubt. I kind of hope, I don't think, but I kind of hope. They're teasing us, and it's not what we think it is. It's going to turn. I out think it's be, what we think it is. It's going to turn out uh, to be something different, but maybe I, I don't know. But yeah, like this whole um, the the whole like the the story about um, a story that you might find kind of glossed over uh, in Sunday school is the story in the Bible where the angels come down from heaven and have sex with a bunch of ladies. Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. Yep. Um, it's not. It doesn't get brought up a lot. They give birth um, to a whole race that God was like, get that shit out of here. And he flooded the yeah, earth. <laughs> right. Uh, and so there's um, your abridged Old Testament via THM. Yeah, Thank it, you. It's, uh, <laughs> You're it's, welcome. Um, yeah. So, it, it, but it's such a fascinating thing to latch onto. And uh, once I figured out, well, like I didn't read this list at first. So once I figured out what story he was telling, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I really I thought the idea, uh, the premise is great. The art is tremendous. This is a buy it, uh, a, a, a big surprise. Yeah, this is cool as hell. Um, I expected nothing. Yeah, this is cool as and hell. And no, you're right. Exactly. I expected nothing and I was really pleasantly surprised and I can't wait to see where it goes. End quote. Big shiny Joe Patrick. You know, Matt, it's hard enough to make a buck out there in this world. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, sure, I got, I'm doing all right, but you know. And so like you would think <laughs> that people gifted with powers far beyond those of mortal men would have it set in this crazy mixed up society we live in. Wouldn't you agree? It's getting pretty long, Joe. Where are we going here? <laughs> well, you'd be wrong. It's one star squadron. Number one from DC. It's three ninety nine. It's written by Mark Russell with art by Steve Lieber. Here's your solicitor. You're getting better. I see you've been working on your muscles. You're getting better. Yeah, look, it wasn't long. It's fine. <laughs> Who are you going to call? One Star Squadron. Meet DC's superhero team where heroism meets capitalism. This ragtag group of heroes led by Red Tornado is here to provide service with a smile. All you must do is send a request via their on-demand hero app, and they'll answer any call. Whether it's a children's birthday party or an alien invasion, no job is too small or too big. Brought to you by Eisner nominee Mark Russell. From the Flintstones, Wonder Twins, and Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles, and Eisner winner, suck it, Russell, Steve Lieber, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. You'll want to invest early in this one-of-a-kind miniseries that promises a story filled with heart, heroism, and humor. THN favorite and friend of the show, Mark Russell, does it again. Joining forces with Jimmy Olsen's Steve Lieber to form an unstoppable Voltron of creativity and comedy. This it's a Voltron with only two pieces, but you get it. Sure. This this first issue centers around the amnesiac gangbuster and Red Tornado's attempts to keep the business afloat. And the journey Russell takes the two characters on is both humorous and heartbreaking. 
This is a smartly written comic from start to finish with a delightfully terrible cast of characters that are given moments to shine. Now, similar to books like Wonder Twins, my continuity-minded brain immediately shunted one star squadron into a, a kind of nebulous pocket universe. I mean, yes. Where elements can be safely referenced or ignored as needed. For example... It's hard for me to reconcile the behavior of Red Tornado and Power Girl in this issue with what I've always known about their characters. Right. But she's, and no, she's no, that, wearing her old costume, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, except for when she's not wearing a snappy business suit, right? Right. But none of that actually matters. Just let the story wash over you and enjoy it like you would any of DC's other black label, hyper time, young animal, blue sky books. Right, Matt? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steve Lieber is an artist that continues to impress me more and more with each new project, but without all the hype that accompanies a superstar name. But in my opinion, he deserves to be a huge name in this industry. Yeah. He's poured a tremendous amount of care into these pages, and they're just overflowing with emotion and humor. The book invites careful rereading as Lieber has peppered the issue with a ton of sight gags from the inspirational posters that litter the Heroes for You office to GI Robot working the phones in a shirt, tie, and toupee covering his bald robot head <laughs> to the meat water bottle on the conference room table, which I did not notice until the third time I read the book today when I was writing my review. It looks like a bottle of smart water, but it instead says meat water. <laughs> not a single panel is wasted. If this is your first episode of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast, welcome. If you're a regular listener, surely you didn't have to wait for my rating before pre-ordering this comic book. One Star Squadron, number one, gets a huge buy it. It's great. Yeah, so Steve Lieber, I think, is an artist artist. He's that guy because he's not doing anything super flashy. He's not the guy. It's not flashy, no. Yeah, he's not no. the guy that you go to get, you know, for an issue where you know, Superman puts Krypton back together so it can blow up again. That's not his job. His job is I, to tell yeah. a very personal story. And he's so good at these, especially like a book that mainly takes place in like office cubicles and crap. And it's sure, great. Yeah. It's fantastic to look at. And this is a kind of book that, yes, you have to just excuse, like you said, the blue sky sort of continuity. Because it's Russell, just don't worry about it. Russell wants to it's, tell it's a the, certain type of story. It's the infinite frontier, baby. We're just living in it. And quite honestly, you could not tell this story in current DC continuity. You just could. Probably not. Yeah, so I'm fine with it here. What I'm not fine with is when we get a Batman and Catwoman type story and what's going on there in Tom King's Black Label that makes you just go, okay, what the hell? (laughs) Well, I think that's a symptom of that book originally supposed to be in continuity. And then they, for whatever reason, Tom King wanted to do things that DC didn't want to have in their main continuity or whatever. And they were like, nah. So I did see some criticism of uh, Power Girl's boob window coming back. I think she's in this costume because it's part of what makes these characters ridiculous. That was a bad time for Power Girl and a dumb. Oh, and costume. also, you know, they're like trying to sell the app, right? right? They're trying to sell the service. Yes. So you need a sexy girl, right? That's how it goes. No, this is a huge buy it. Mark Russell is one of the smartest guys writing comics right now. He's just brilliant. And he knows how to have fun and, yeah. like you said, still inject feeling into a book so it feels like it matters. Huge buy it. 
jumping to this week, Wednesday, 12.15. We begin with Batgirls. Number one from DC, it's $3.99. It was written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad with art by Jorge Corona. Friend of the show, Michael W. Conrad. That doesn't mean if That's it right. sucks, I won't say something bad about you, Michael W. Conrad. So there you go. But it does mean that when I got a message from Michael W. Conrad on Twitter, I gave Matt the heads up. Oh, hey, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I wouldn't pull punches. It's not what I do. Here's your solicit. Um, hello. You didn't actually think we'll keep you waiting the entire year without giving you the Batgirl series we've all been waiting uh, for forever, right? I hate we're doing this again. I know. Are we I, doing this again? I hate reading this again. No Do we way. have to read it again? We love you oh, too much. Just like Batgirls, Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown, who are only able to navigate the dark, gritty, and oftentimes scary city of Gotham by leaning on the bright light that is their best friendship. Mentored by Oracle, the Batgirls move to the other side of town where Barbara Gordon can keep a better eye on them while the hacker seer is still invading their lives okay i'm just gonna stop there because the rest of it is super twee and super annoying yeah all right hey and look speaking of not pulling bunches michael that is insufferable yeah <laughs> that solicit is insufferable yes this solicit had me genuinely worried to read a yes. comic book I was terrified. This would be so twee that my eyes would cross and my mouth would fill with blood and I'd just have to cut Joe Patrick until I felt better. But luckily for Joe, I was right to trust this creative team. And while the story was much more lighthearted than the other Bat books on the stands, it also needed to be that way. Stephanie, who's the spoiler, is really the main character here, dragging Cassandra, who I think is called orphan still right she is called the orphan which is a code name i don't like yeah, it sucks. but I, if they're calling her batgirl then that's fine with me too well, they're calling their team batgirls you know so, what they're fine call them there how I'm many robins are there just call her call them both batgirl yeah, i don't care i'm fine with it stephanie is dragging cassandra around on the their patrols of the hill and stephanie became a fan favorite back in the 90s because of her upbeat personality Certainly not because she started a gang war and got pregnant and died, but <laughs> not in that order. Yeah, not, not in that, that order. She got pregnant first. Oh yes, yeah, then she started a gang war and yes. then she died. She works really well here, along with Cassie and their new status quo as Oracle's foot soldiers in the wake of their old clock tower base blowing up and the seer planting a story in the media to make them look like the guilty party. Clunin and Conrad have them paring down their tech to avoid being spied on and returning to a more street-level approach in a new neighborhood, and it's a nice change from all the previous future state techie tech tech tech, although there sure. are still some future state holdouts here. Jorge Corona gives the book a style and a feel all its own with absolutely insane colors by Sarah Stern and an almost Sean Murphy look to his own style. It's more cartoonish than I remember him, but I really like it. Batgirls is definitely a different tone and geared to a slightly younger audience, but the story works. This new status quo for these characters makes sense. And it's nice to see Stefan Cass with something to do for a change. I'm giving this a buy it. Uh, when this book was announced at first, I believe the words all ages actually got printed. I think you're like, right. As the time drew closer, you started to hear things like, well, uh, you know, it's going to start as a backup in Detective Comics, which I, I confess I did not read because um, I haven't been up to date on Detective Comics. They started to say, well, it's being written for a broad audience. Right. And, well, and either one would have been perfectly fine. They are writing this for the it's like Gotham Academy, right? Like, yeah, 
it, it's at home on the stands next to Batman or Nightwing, but it is not Batman or Nightwing. It's Gotham Academy. And this is its own thing. It's got its own tone. It's set in Gotham. It is very clearly uh, like Gotham is part of its DNA, but it's also like two young teens having fun being superheroes. And that's great. I thought it was a joy to read. Now, I've always loved Cassandra Kane as like the broken child, sure. right? Uh, you know, raised by an assassin uh, to be a murder machine, sure. no concept of language. It took a lot of time for her to even be able to like vocalize. And we did that. And while part of me like kind of missed it at first, it's also been a long time since she's been back. And I'll buy that. Like, yeah, she's having conversations now, you know, like we don't have to have her saying three words like it's, she doesn't have to talk in caveman. Talk. Oh, for sure. But she's still the quiet one without a doubt. She's still quiet. Right. I mean, she's still quiet. She's not, you know, blabbing up a storm like Stephanie right. is, but she can also say a full sentence. And and I think that that's a great kind of um, progression for the character. And I love the idea that they, they are being treated as young because yeah. that's something the bad books are guilty of treating their teen characters like they are adults, which sometimes the story calls for, you sure. know, like you don't, you don't want a, a very serious Batman story. That's got Tim Drake running around goofing off. Uh, it, like you want them to be capable and competent heroes, but sure. They're also teenagers. Right. The and villains, I thought I loved the villains will definitely treat them like kids. Sure. But when Batman yeah. is screaming them down like adults or putting them in situations that are yeah. absolutely deadly. <laughs> I mean, yes. And you know what? We're going to actually touch on this in, in my next review. But I, I love the idea of this book, treating them as the teens that they are. Yes. They are having fun. Jorge Corona is a tremendous artist. I love him. He is also a chameleon. He yeah. like he's able to he's he did this. Uh, he did an issue of Flash that is so slick and gorgeous uh, a couple of years back uh, that had uh, that was a big time uh, Wally West issue. And I remember talking up a storm about it on the show. Editor's note. That was Flash volume five. Number nine. His art looks totally different on the me you love in the dark. That's the name of it. Right. The Scotty Young book. Uh, Jorge Corona draws yeah. that the image book, the the ghost love story, right? And in there and he's doing it, like kind of a Scotty Young type thing, almost. sort of, yeah. And then here, like a friend of mine who was not as fond of the art in this issue, uh, described it as dirty chaos, and I think that that's accurate. But it's also kind of what I love about it. Yeah, I think it's what he was going for, and, and yeah, the coloring right, exactly. reinforces it with like the splashes of purples and greens yeah, and stuff. Like. I, I I love the chaotic, almost kind of like street art nature of it. Totally. Uh, I think it's. A, I think this was this was a great book. It's a buy it for me. I loved it. Join me, Batman, and me, Robin the Boy Wonder, and Batgirl. All right, as I said, we're going to talk about teen heroes here in Robin and Batman number two. That what was if we said, let's stick with the Bat Kids and talk about Robin and sure, Batman. Sure. Right. All right. See, see that? There you go. All right. All right. <laughs> Like I promised, we're sticking with the Bat Kids in Robin and Batman number two from DC. It's $5.99. It's written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Wynn. Here's your solicit. Dick Grayson is struggling in his training to be Robin, and the Batman decides the young man needs a break. In an awe-inspiring moment, he meets the world's greatest heroes and their sidekicks. Will these teen titans get along? 
The prestige format and prestige priced Robin and Batman looks like a black label book and it quacks like a black label book, but somehow is not a black label book. Yeah, I don't get it. It's best to just leave the fussing about that to Matt Baum and instead focus on the incredible story and art within its pages. I'm, I think DC is still doing, I think they have kind of gone back to doing like prestige format books on their own. I think so. But I also think they have a black label Tumblr that they just pull titles. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like a bingo. It's like one of the, it's like a bingo hopper. Exactly. And it's like exactly. a roll, 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 roll. Little, and then they grab the ball. And yeah, it's, it's like little cage Wonder barrel. Woman Historia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is sort of a Robin year one type tale, but it begins with year zero with the future boy wonder still in training, eager to prove himself to his new mentor. Naturally, Dick isn't content to sit around the Batcave and proceeds to go after a villain way outside his weight class, one that might recognize him from his former life. He's officially in action in issue two with Batman gifting him with a visit to the JLA satellite for his birthday there he meets larger than life heroes and a group of sidekicks that would become his lifelong friends and partners. Jeff Lemire's exploration of the relationship between Batman, Robin and Alfred is incredibly compelling. Bruce is cold to the point of almost cruelty and Alfred acts as the father figure. He isn't capable of being, this is what I was talking about with the backgrounds review is like, like this is, this is a character that almost wasn't allowed to be a kid. Yeah. And so it is a nice change of pace when something like Batgirls embraces it. Not that I don't also love this, but it's a different kind of story. Completely. Sure. Well, Babs is their mentor and she's letting them. Right. Right. It, like imagine if this book were about like uh, a sidekick that Nightwing was training you, sure. the tone would be totally different. Or Lady Shiva was training, training. The sure. Right. Or that would be yeah, different. Lady Shiva. Uh, there is a moment towards the end of the issue after the satellite visit that completely knocked the wind right out of me. And the look on Alfred's face says it all. <laughs> the way the writing and art combine to deliver that scene is one of the best things I've read this year. The ethereal watercolor art by Dustin Wynn is beautiful and heartbreaking and hopeful and chilling at different points during the issue. At just three issues long, Robin and Batman is a blink and you'll miss it story wonderfully told by two of the greats of the industry today huge by it i this was phenomenal oh for sure jeff lemire and dustin Wynn have teamed up a few times now uh ascender descender they're they're incredible at what when yeah. they work together and when i heard they were going to work together on a batman story i didn't care what it was and the fact that they are addressing young dick grayson who's everybody's favorite robin and it should be yours if it's not so because he's the best and no, Tim Drake is the best, and I don't appreciate no how you put out on the internet in my voice I saying know. that Dick Grayson was my favorite Robin. <laughs> he's, he's the best not. Robin. Get out of here. Um, they just – this is another one of those stories that probably doesn't need to be told, and we've seen it told a bunch of times. Yeah. But when you get the creative team like this behind it, it becomes more than what it is. It's not just a Robin year one or year zero. It It's two creators that fundamentally understand – this character that understand good superhero storytelling and are incredible at what they do. This is a massive buy it. Unlike the cap and Iron Man story we talked about, which is just a story to tell a story starring two characters. This isn't just an excuse to tell another Robin. You're one. Like I said, it's a fantastic story about a character that I love told with real emotion in a beautiful package. It is a huge buy it. <laughs> 
Joe, it looks like we're only going to be talking about one holiday special this year, and it is Firefly Holiday Special number one from Boom. It's $7.99. This was written by Jeff Jensen with art by Fabiana Mascolo, Jordi Perez, and Vincenzo Frederici. Here's your solicit. Uh, I, I did almost read the tis the season to be freezing one shot from DC, but yeah. I didn't have it in me to read an 80 page giant. You give week. it a title like that. I'm out. Sorry. I see for me. I was like, yeah, I'm in. No way. <laughs> I'm allergic to puns. It's the holiday season and Jane's selfish behavior receives the unwanted attention of three visiting spirits who reveal the hidden past, present and future of Serenity's most miserly, miserly, sorry. There you go. You did it. A beloved character returns as a ghost of Firefly past while a fellow crew member guides Jane through the here and now showing the consequences of his actions in the present. But it's the ghost of Firefly future, Emma Washburn, who reveals the most shocking fate of all. Can Jane turn over a new leaf and avert the disaster headed his way? Celebrate the holiday season with your favorite brown coats in this self-contained special by Emmy and Eisner award-winning writer Jeff Jensen who worked on HBO's Watchmen and Better Angels, a Kate Warren adventure, and artist Vincenzo Frederici, who works on Go Go Power Rangers, Jordi Perez, who draws Firefly, and Fabian Mascolo, who recently worked on Firefly, brand new verse. There seems to be a law of diminishing returns with Firefly stories that hits me every time I revisit. That is the goddamn truth. This holiday special is not bad. I like the idea that Christmas is still around, but it's sort of morphed into a new holiday. But the old three ghosts from a Christmas carol formula, really, it's getting pretty tired, honestly. (laughs) I like this art team a lot, and they did a really nice job realizing the world, making the characters recognizable without photo referencing the actors. The problem might be me. I admit that. But I don't find the Firefly verse particularly interesting anymore. Mm, No, it's not. And revisiting for Jane to get the Scrooge treatment for 48 pages really didn't do much to reignite my passion. There is nothing wrong with this comic other than a derivative story, but maybe that's part of what we love about holiday specials. For $7.99, though, I cannot give this a buy it in good conscience. But if you love these characters, it might be just what you need before you lay down for your long winter's nap. I'm giving it a skim it. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. Okay. So I agree with every single thing you said. Uh, the $7.99 price point is whatever. It's a special. It's extra sized. $7.99 is just boom's normal price point. You're either on board for it or you're not. Yeah. However, uh, and also the Christmas Carol thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been done, yeah. but also it's, but also it's a Christmas Carol. It's, it's, a, it's an iconic story I get it. and it's, it's fun to see it applied to characters where you don't expect it. I suppose. Um, yeah. Like when the Muppets did it, loved it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Well, like, sure. Like Scrooge, right? Sure. Like Scrooge is one of my favorite holiday movies, but then we've gone uh, on to do it. 200 more times. Well, Matt, the story is only 125 years old, so I don't know what you're complaining about. This story, uh, Firefly, pardon me, Firefly, uh, the story itself I thought was fine. I, I thought the art was okay. Not, I, I didn't love it, but I did think it was okay. I agree that at the very least, uh, Jane was recognizable, though some of the like normal ass looking white dudes were, I couldn't tell who was who. Sure. Like, I couldn't tell who was the doctor and who was the captain. And um, 
even Wash, when Wash shows up with his blonde hair, I was like, is that Wash? Uh, I do like uh, Vincenzo Frederici, who works on Go-Go Power Rangers. He did the middle story, and I thought that okay. one looked really good. You know, I actually didn't. It did not. This is a failing on my part, not the art team's fault. Uh, maybe it was too late. Maybe my eyes are playing tricks on me. Um, I honestly, it did not register for me that we were talking about multiple art teams until you said something about it. But uh, Firefly. I loved Firefly in my younger days. Oh, yeah. I thought Firefly was wonderful. It was the best. Uh, and, and like, look, this has nothing to do with Joss Whedon and everything that's come out about Joss Whedon, but I loved Firefly. Um, but as and as for as much as I normally would like to rail against studios for not recognizing a good thing when they have it, um, we were only given a handful of Firefly episodes and one movie. And now, 20 years later, we're still talking about Firefly. Yeah. Uh, and that's there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But like you said, like at a certain point, I'm like, I get it. Like, I, I get it. I know. Like, what more can you do to these characters that com- that's not just like completely changed the entire premise of the book? Well, you know what I mean? I mean, yes and no. I, and maybe it's the fault of the creative teams. I don't know. Or, or maybe it's the fault of Firefly, but like, you know, like Buffy is still running in comic form. Buffy also ran for seven seasons and they have a rich vein that's of true. lore to drop. That's from. absolutely true. Firefly it, it had feel like the 13 produced episodes, only like yeah. five of which aired. And it feels like they are, they keep trying to make Firefly happen, you know? And right. Exactly. I, I, and again, I have read Firefly stories that I love very, very much. Sure, so have I. Um, that that sh- a, sh- a Shepherd's Tale graphic novel that Wonderful. Chris Somney drew Wonderful. is really great. Um, but I, I am not really interested in dipping into the adventures of Firefly on a monthly basis this far removed from Firefly. I, I just am not. So it is a skim it for me. That's personal. Uh, again, you might have a different opinion. You might be like the world's biggest Firefly fan and you'll love it. But uh, I thought this was clever. And cute, and that's about it. Speaking of ideas that I think have worn out their welcome, how was that transition? That was a bad. I was going to say, speaking of trying to make things happen, yeah. <laughs> Our final review of the week goes to Wastelanders colon Wolverine number one from Marvel. It's three ninety nine. It's written by Stephen S. Denight with art by Ibrahim Mustafa. Let me ask you a question before you get into the solicit, but had I bet you $100,000 that this comic book, knowing it was coming out, would not have Old Man Logan in the title, you would have taken that (laughs) bet, right? You would have said, like, no way. They're totally going to put Old Man Logan in the title. I'll bet you anything, Matt Bob. (laughs) I mean, I can't believe they didn't. (laughs) I was thinking that I was thinking that very same thing. Uh, Here's your solicit. Steven S. Knight leads the return to the wastelands of... Old man Logan. There it is. The supervillains united and took out most of the world's superheroes decades ago. And while the man known as Logan attempted to live a life of peace, he had to pop the claws once again to do what he does best. And what he does is change green poopy diapers. But saving the day looks different with the baby Hulk under his care. I guess I kind of ruined that joke by making it a different joke. (laughs) Is Logan doing the right thing by protecting the progeny of the Hulk or doing what's left of the war-torn world? Logan may not have long to ponder if he's crushed by the adamantium armor of his newfound enemy, Downfall! (laughs) Downfall, I get. 
Hulk, I get. Why are the words adamantium armor capital? Because it's scary. It's made of adamantium. Come on. I guess about <laughs> Stephen S. DeKnight, who was the showrunner of Daredevil season one. Wolverine, and he also wrote Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood. Teams with a fan favorite artist by the name of Ibrahim Mustafa. He hasn't done any Marvel work, so he doesn't get any credits in the solicitor. No, but he is To tell great. an all-new story, yes, of Wolverine in the days after the conclusion of the original Old Man Logan as he fights once again to save the people of the Wastelands who have been crushed under the heel of the Red Skull <laughs> and Bruce Banner. My That's God. a long solicit. <laughs> that is a long solicit. Jesus. Uh, and don't worry, Ibrahim Mustafa fans. I'm going to do him. I'm going to do him proper later on in this review. Uh, now, I am two for two when it comes to misunderstanding the point of Marvel books this week. I thought that this was going to be some kind of old man Avengers team book. <laughs> but instead, it seems like it's a series of solo adventures featuring the surviving heroes of the old man Logan timeline. Thank God we're still beating that dead horse. Oh, am yeah. I right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the creative team was the real draw for me here as I have recently renewed my obsession with the Netflix Daredevil series for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Don't ask me any questions. Oh, really? And I love, right, none, no <laughs> questions. And I loved Mustafa's artwork on the excellent High Crimes with Christopher Sabella. There it is. The team delivers a pretty solid Lone Wolf and Cub-esque post-apocalyptic Western don't get a mix it. It's a mashup, not a comparison. Lone Wolf and Cub is not a post-apocalyptic Western. With a superhero twist that fits in perfectly with the over-the-top nature of the original story, uh, there was one moment when uh, an unexpected character came to Logan's aid that made me laugh out loud, yeah. and I can't decide if it was because I thought it was ridiculous or awesome. I think it was a little uh, bit of both. I, mean, I think it was both. Yeah. I think it was both. Uh, Mustafa's art is indeed very good. Give that guy a bleak cruel landscape and he's good to go i guess oh, whether yeah. it's a wasteland or a mountain it doesn't matter wastelanders wolverine number one isn't anything i'd actively seek out i am pretty bored with the concept at this point uh see also firefly but in all honesty i thought this was a really decent one-shot adventure i'm giving it a buy it yeah i also could not help but compare this to firefly because i don't give a crap about the old man Logan of Earth. I don't. And it was and a light. If it hadn't been such a light week, I would have totally skipped it. Totally. I, I like, I don't care about old man, anything that they've done. I think it's kind of no. ridiculous. And if you want to do a visions of the future type thing, whatever, fine. You know that I, we get plenty of that, but this was really good. Unlike the Firefly universe that I really have lost interest in. Maybe my fault. I don't know. I definitely lost no. interest in this, and I really like this book. And it goes to show that if you have the right creative team, they can write good stories anywhere. So that's why I keep saying, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. No, I think the, I think it is that I think it really is that Firefly as a concept didn't have any time to get off the ground, as opposed to Buffy and Angel. Sure, and, you know, or and, you know, yeah. Frank Miller's RoboCop or any other comic that ran forever. Right, uh, like. Uh, but with the old maniverse, we've had the Wolverine storyline, the original. We've right. had the old man Logan ongoing series. Old we man had an old Hawkeye. man Logan miniseries. We had old man Hawkeye. We had old man Quill. Yeah. Why is Star Lord on Earth in the wasteland? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I didn't read it. Well, it started but in space. Like, he, he was in space. Sure, fine. He had to visit. But Earth I mean, like they've built on that lore sure. in a way that Firefly. Uh, as a show didn't have a chance to do. And if we aren't ongoing readers of Firefly, 
the comic, we're not going to appreciate appreciate it in the same way as those people that are. I don't disagree at all. I just don't care about this idea. And I, no, I don't either. I, yeah. I'm I'm over it. I just think they did a really good job. They did a really good job in this setting. It it's a buy it. I agree. I'm not saying get off your ass and go to the comic shop right now and grab it. You need this, but it's a fun read. Can't deny that. Yeah. Like, look, if you're in the shop and you got an extra four bucks in your pocket and you're like, ah, it's a light week. What am I going to check yeah, out? Go for check it. out Wasteland. Joe, that is it for reviews. And before we can move on, we need to pick our final two titles or we each need to pick it might be the same title from the new pile to make it into our THN permanent collection which one of these books was your favorite you know I know that I wring my hands and him and haw every week but this week I'm ready baby oh wow I know apologies to Mark Russell it's Robin and Batman number two uh this is the best thing I read all week and like for real that moment when you read the comic and you get to the moment that I talked about in my review oh yeah where Alfred's jaw drops and then my jaw dropped and then I had to like put my iPad down and Jeff I was Lemire, like, baby. That's what he does. I was like, Jesus Christ. This is one of the best comics I read all year. It was and great. it's it's so good. It was really great. Um, I'm gonna give it to Daisy because I oh, did I, I did love Daisy. I didn't see that coming. And I yeah. love a pleasant surprise like that. And it's also nice I get it. when a name is kicked around and gets a lot of buzz and it's not just you know, the uh, it's not just a company trying to make a buck off of them. They're legit yeah. really good. And this guy's going to be great. So I'm giving it to Daisy. That's a totally a valid pick. I loved Daisy as well. And you know what? That's kind of the joy of doing this particular uh, part of the show is that we can each pick one. That's the idea. That's why we yeah. do it. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Except most of the time we, we pick the same book. So if you want to know more about these comics, check out our show notes where you can find links for all the books we discussed. Uh, to some third-party site that doesn't sponsor us, it's all right. No, but the Fresh Comics you, guy is really nice, and, and I like pumping him up. He needs help. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a good site. It's a I use love. it a lot. He doesn't make any money on it, so, you know, good for well, him. Well, hey, join the club. Uh, and if you... That's a joke. We we value all of your donations. And if you want to read along with the AGN, you can find each episode's review list on our Twitter and Facebook weekly on Tuesdays. Also, we want to know what you thought about these comics, our reviews, or anything you read this week on our live call-in show. It's THN cover to cover, and it'll be this Saturday on Facebook live from 11 a.m. to noon Central Time. Hanukkah's over, Joe, so it's time to decorate the Sanctum Sanctorum for Festivus and, of course, our winter solstice party. So let's pull on our goat leg chaps and hang the holly while we sip spice wine and sing about our must-read picks for next week. Joe... I'm just going to wait my turn over here under the mistletoe. Just come and get me when you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my pick for next week is Avengers Forever, number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Aaron Cooter. That's right. It's Attack of the Aarons. It's $4.99 and here's your solicit. An all-new series starring the Avengers of the Multiverse. On a quest for cosmic vengeance, Ghost Rider finds himself roaring through the wasteland of a ruined Earth, 
not that wasteland we were just talking about, though. I think where the Vin great Jan- age of heroes never I, came to be. It's a different wasteland. Don't even ask. I think it's Vengeancy hope- is what you were trying to say. Oh, sorry. Vengeancy. <laughs> yes, I apologize. Uh, where hope is a four-letter word and where his only ally in the coming battle against the greatest villains any universe has ever seen is the world's most wanted archaeologist, Tony Stark, dot, 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 the invincible Ant-Man. <laughs> Spinning out. Yes. Spinning out of the uh, cataclysmic events of Avengers 750 and operating in lockstep with the prime Avengers series. The next great, you get that? It matters, guys. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This one matters. The next great Avengers saga begins here as the mightiest heroes of every earth begin to assemble. Hey, two weeks ago, I reviewed Avengers 50, a.k.a. 750. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, We loved it. And he sets up a ton of stuff, most notably Robbie Reyes, the ghost driver, uh, getting sucked into the multiverse for shenanigans that will be carried out in this title. And also the worst, pardon me, not, I mean, worst in a, in a good, scary way, team of masters of evil, possibly ever assembled baby Thanos, uh, green goblin ghost rider, the venom, the Nazi red skull venom Nazi. Uh, it, it's a, like it's a, a tremendous collection of ridiculous bad guys and uh, Dr. Doom, of course, because who else? And uh, I cannot wait to see this um, this uh, kind of like exiles. Right. But with the Avengers and is this what is, we said when they announced it. This is where you can it. do that stuff. You want to go nuts with the Phoenix stuff? Great. You want to like, I don't know, send an army of sentient death locks from a, you know, that were built on some weird satellite to fight the Avengers. Great. Oh, you're doing that in the regular Avengers title next week. <laughs> but I mean, look, the, Aven- the Avengers, the, the <laughs> Avengers got to do something, but like the cover, like, I love the idea where it's like, yeah, I, uh, Tony Stark is Ant-Man in this universe. And, and, and the cover is just like every ridiculous, weird version uh, like off-brand version of, right. the, of these games. And it's great. And I it's, just, it's I love not it. just I love like, it. oh, Tony Stark in this one wears a giant suit of armor because he's from a dumb no, no, reality. He's Ant- no, he's, he's freaking Ant-Man. Ant-Man. <laughs> That's awesome. My pick for next week is King Conan, number one from Marvel. It is $4.99. It is also written by Jason Aaron with art by Mahmoud Asrar. Here's your solicit. Conan's last stand at the edge of the world! Jason Aaron and Mahmoud Asrar return to the saga of Conan in an all-new adventure that takes the story of the Sumerian further than has ever been revealed in any media to date. You know, we're probably hitting the 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 S in Asrar way harder than we should. <laughs> Asrar? I don't know. Like, we, like, it's not pronounced Asgard. Right. As Robert E. Howard posited, when King Conan grows restless on the throne, he sails west toward land, an adventure unknown. Now see the first step of King Conan's fateful journey from Aquilonia as an old and terrible danger threatens to end the saga of the Sumerian once and for all. Don't dare miss this first issue of the adventure of a lifetime. I was in love with Marvel's Conan. And this is not a knock on Jim Zub. Jim Zub. Does a perfectly good job writing comics. He's a good comic writer. Jim, I like you a lot. Your Conan is boring, man. Sorry. (laughs) It got boring and it (laughs) lost me. And I am very much excited for this team to return. I love Conan as a character. I'm not sure 
It, it, this says all new adventure that takes a story in Sumerian further than he's ever been revealed in any media to date. So it's drawing on some Robert E. Howard stuff, but not retelling Robert E. Howard stuff. So I want to see. I mean, where it it's goes. King. It's King Conan. It's a new story featuring right. King Conan in a much later or in a later period of in his life than has ever been depicted. But I love Mahmoud Asra's art. He is fantastic. Yeah, I do too. This is going to be kick ass. Oh, uh, man, I almost forgot. Oh. The THN trade of the week goes to Copra Round Six trade paperback from Image Comics. It's $24.99 and it's written and drawn by Michelle FIFA. Here's your solicit Copra returns in the first collection of its all new ongoing series. Acclaimed comics auteur Michelle FIFA reintroduces the entire cast of mercenary misfits in a brutal standoff against cruel cyborg roommates, reanimated doomsday agents. They, sorry, caught me off guard with the roommates thing. And their own bosses jump into the thick of it with the world's greatest superhero revenge machine. This collects Cobra 32 through 41. Now you might be asking, Joe, it's Cobra round six. Why are you recommending Cobra round six? Listen, Cobra is great. Uh, it's, it's great. It's so great. It's like the greatest Suicide Squad homage comic you will ever read. The only reason. One of the most talented comic book creators to ever lift a pen and the literally the only reason that he's not working at dc right in the suicide squad right now because they had a suicide squad movie and they're afraid to put this guy on it because they're like no, 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 no. we need big names I mean, it's got to be sexy and, right. and that's not what he does what he does is different and amazing in a completely different way it's so yeah. cool uh, so uh, image uh, image is putting out the trade uh, round six trade uh, for a while there. He went through image similar to um, how uh, Jeff Smith took bone and uh, Terry Moore took strangers in paradise to image briefly uh, during their run. Michelle Fiva took Copra to image for a while. Now he's back to self publishing image is still publishing the trade, or at least they're publishing this trade. It follows right in line with all the other ones. You don't need to worry about any reboots. It's just, it's Copra around six. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Yeah. We love it so much. It's gross. Anyway, read Copra. <laughs> you can find our picks of the week every Wednesday on the Twitters and the faces book too. But, hey, jerks, we want to know what you are reading. Hit us up. Let us know. We're missing a bunch of great stuff. I promise you we are. We focus on crap sometimes. So let us know. What should we be reading? Now it's time for a sneak peek at our bi-weekly Patreon-exclusive segment, and this time it's even helpful. Welcome to the first THN gift guide where we play two-headed Santa and help you with last-minute gifts for the comic nerds on your list. Joe and I have picked a few items for different kinds of nerds who have been extra specially good this year. So you, listener, may want to play this segment very loud so others in your household can hear (laughs) Joe Patrick. Why don't you start us off here? Let's just say that we each picked something from uh, for from different kinds of media, right? Or you know, comic book nerd, movie nerd, sure. video game nerd. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna run, we're gonna kind of run the gamut here. A uh, toy nerd. Uh, I'm gonna start off with uh, your comic book nerd, and I know this is bad, and it's not a creative thing to say, but for a comic book fan, if you're buying gifts for a comic book fan, 
if you're going to go into a store and ask a comic book clerk to recommend something for you for somebody that they know, yeah, it's almost impossible. And it's doubly impossible if it's a stranger, obviously, even if you know their tastes, because there's nothing worse than getting them a gift or recommending a gift that they already have. It's not like socks or a necktie. You like, there's only so many copies of, you know, amazing Spider-Man number 80 Bay that a collector can have. Right. So I, w- I normally, I recommend gift cards, which I know is lame, but this year I'm mixing it up. Uh, and again, I know that we also like to pump up comic book shops. Uh, but in this instance, I am going to recommend a digital comics subscription. Oh, wow. Whether, whether it be to Comixology Unlimited, which will have a lot of stuff, including a bunch of image books, even some uh, Marvel and DC are on there. Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe Infinite. Uh, they were cowards and did not follow the naming convention or they did not yeah. go to they didn't get the memo. And the reason I'm suggesting it is this. They're cheap. An entire year will run you, uh, depending on depending on the app, around sixty to seventy bucks. Uh, a lot of times, there's a sale, and uh, otherwise, you can just do it by the month. You know, um, say, hey, this is for six months of Marvel Unlimited or whatever, and it's five, six bucks a month, eight bucks a month. So it's very affordable, cheaper than most streaming services. And the reason I'm leaning this way this year is because I have gotten more enjoyment out of Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe Infinite this year than I ever have. And I have been a member of both services for years. Yeah, DC Infinite is is relatively new, but I've been a Marvel Unlimited subscriber literally for years. I would argue this is a fantastic gift for someone who's thinking about returning to comics rather than going like, I heard this is really good. Give them something where they have a full cornucopia. That they can go check yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, know? whether they're return, whether they're returning to comics or they are an a ravenous like regular reader, like there is only so much time in the day. Yeah. E- even a even a hardcore fan of comics comics only has time to read so many books. Sure, sure. And some books are just out of most fans' reach in terms of like price or, or scarcity or whatever. And these digital comics subscriptions are a wonderful way to instantly put literally. Tens of thousands yeah. of comic books in the hands of uh, your beloved comic book fan. I love it. That's a great idea. I'm going to get real specific with my first one. This is for your Jack Kirby nerd on your list. And this is also for the person who enjoys large tome version reprints. I'm going with The Absolute Fourth World by Jack Kirby, Volume 1 and Volume 2 from DC. The DC Absolute Editions are beautiful. They're massive. They're oversized. They're packed full of extra stuff. And if you know a Jack Kirby fan, they love his fourth world stuff. It is far and away the best of his output. We kind of crapped on his Eternals a little bit. This is the good stuff, okay? (laughs) It does not get any better. They're not cheap. So this is for someone that you really care about. It's certainly the most creative of his albums. Oh, yeah. Very, very good this year. These are both just packed. All kinds of new essays by comic historians like Mark Evanier. Tom Scioli has an essay in one of these and some sketches. Scioli, who worked on the uh, Kirby autobiography that we reviewed. Uh, Yes, the unauthorized uh, life of the king of comics. And the design on these are just amazing absolutely gorgeous. I want them 
so bad. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, for my next one, uh, I also went with a big old tome, and this is for the movie buff in your life. Uh, still comic nerds, but we're talking about movie nerds, and that is the story of Marvel Studios, the making of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is a slipcase uh, hardcover collection. Uh, it, it, it's two big, thick, huge hardcovers in a beautiful slipcase, and it is a detailed definitive history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the beginning with Iron Man 1 up through the end of the Infinity Saga uh, with technically Spider-Man Far From Home uh, because it dealt with the aftermath of the blip. So it is, uh, it's the first ever fully authorized all-access history of Marvel Studios' creation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe told by the producers, writers, directors, concept artists, VFX artists, cast, and crew that brought it to life. It's done year by year, project by project, and it details the founding of the studio up through the growth of the studio, project by project with personal stories, anecdotes, and memories, uh, the highs and the lows, the challenges, the challenges, the breakthroughs, fully documented with photos, concept art, uh, it's a gorgeous looking package. It's cool as hell. Uh, it is not cheap. It's it's 150 bucks list price. You can get it cheaper if you're a savvy buyer. But it's also like it's like it's gigantic. It's it, yeah. it's like one of those dictionaries you put on a lectern at the library. It's, it's yeah, it's, a, the, it's like the absolute editions, oversized, big and sexy. Right. Yeah. It, it's yeah, or the complete Calvin and Hobbes thing that was three volumes in a slip like. It's a reason. The reason it's so big, uh, so expensive is because it's huge and it's gorgeous. I don't collect things like you're going to Matt's going to talk about toys and stuff like I don't collect stuff, but I do love a good coffee table book. I love books like this yeah. uh, where the person, uh, the the biographers or the documentary documentarians were there from the jump. Yeah. Uh, and the people that wrote this book, co-authors, Tara Bennett and Paul Terry also produced a book called that I didn't even know existed called. The official making of Big Trouble in Little China. Oh man, I want that. Which too. I I must I must find. Yeah, I need that. And yeah, so like they've done this before. This is not their first rodeo, and it looks like a wonderful piece of work. It's 512 pages all told, and uh, it hits all 23 movies. That's an awesome gift. I love. Yeah, that. man. For the sci-fi nerd with too many feelings on your list, you cannot go wrong <laughs> with the new Saga box set from Image. This is just in time for Saga to return next month. Image is releasing a giant slipcase version of the Saga trade paperbacks one through nine. So this is everything up to where they stopped. So maybe you know a Saga fan that kind of fell off or something, or maybe you're like me and you've been reading digital for a while and you fell off and you love it so much that you do want hard copies of this. It's going to look super sexy on your shelf. Nine trade paperbacks. It's only $125. That is a steal. That's not bad. That's, all, that's all. a lot of content for nine trade paperbacks. Yeah. And like a beautifully painted slip case too. We love Saga. We have gushed and gushed and gushed about it on the show. We're so excited to have it back. This is an awesome gift for your Saga. 
That was a taste of the first annual THN gift guide. I know you're not supposed to say annual when you it's the first one, but yeah. that is an ongoing the joke. Inaugural. The inaugural. That dates all the way back to the very first Golden Pebble Awards. Uh, if you would like to hear the whole segment, uh, you can do so by signing up for our Patreon. Uh, donors of any level, even if it's just a dollar per month, uh, gain access to all of the expanded segments that you hear on the show. Uh, and any little amount helps us, and we truly, truly, deeply appreciate it. And we've taken down the fan fiction per your request, and we get it. It was a little too erotic, and for that, we apologize. <laughs> uh, however, the nudie pics do remain. Well, I mean, they're tasteful. Yeah, they're tasteful nudie pics. <laughs> Excelsior! That's it for THN 647. Next week, we are off on holiday vacation, but we'll be back the following Wednesday for the 11th annual Golden Beppo Awards, where we celebrate the best comics and creators of 2021. Get your best of lists together, nerds, because you know we're going to want to talk about that on Cover to Cover. Speaking of which, if you want to wrap about this week's episode or any of the weekly nerdy news we're following, hit us up on our live call-in show, THN, cover to cover, every Saturday, starting at 11 Central Time. It's hosted on our Facebook page. And I'm just going to say it now, no Spidey spoilers this week, you jerks, all right? Please, you please. Understand? It's hard enough to avoid them. Be the bigger person, okay? Poor Variety Magazine, they're new at this. They can't help themselves, you know? I mean, But they're oh, trying. Oh, no, what did they do? Oh, they totally spoiled and stuff and they're like no we didn't why is everybody mad come on you jerks that's terrible all right forget about that crap let's talk about the question of the week so these guys have something to start a conversation with joe patrick this week's question was submitted by us in honor of the season which comic book family would you most like to spend the holidays with now this is i did get a I, i got a question about it uh, am I a character in this universe? No, you are you. You are Matt Bomb. You are Brian Domingos. You are Adam Crouch. You are Josh Rector. You are any other person whose name is not immediately jumping to the forefront of my mind. Um, you are yourself, and you've been invited to spend the holidays with a comic book family. Which one is it? Please do keep your question of the week suggestions coming. We do need them. Uh, we relish them. I treasure them, and I also don't want to do any work. You can call us at 402-819-4894 or join us on Zoom by clicking on the link in the Facebook Live video chat. If you can't be there live, shoot an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or leave a message on the hotline and we will make you internet famous for Christmas. It's, it's true. It's our gift to you. It's our gift to you. Nobody has sang to us for a while. Call and sing us a song. Nobody's done that. Uh, you know what? We used to have guys that would submit like fully produced audio tracks. Yeah. And those guys obviously got famous doing other things or than they, listening to the podcast. Or they grew up and decided they wanted to like kiss boys Or they and grew girls. up. I mean, I think Spider Brad, is, God bless him, is, uh, has found a, his calling as a tiki bartender. Yes. Uh, but he loves it. It's his it's his passion. So, but uh, yeah, you know, sing us a song or do us a rap. Dance, monkey, dance. Uh, whatever you do, please keep it to two minutes or less if you're going to send in a recording. We do get a lot of live callers and we want to share the air with everybody. If you're new to the show and you would rather re-listen to the best of Amazing Spider-Brad for the 50th time than hear any more, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But 
Hosting an S3 bucket that huge isn't cheap, and THN is a listener-supported podcast. It would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our newest patron, Mark Stern. He's a hard-nosed detective that doesn't take any crap, but he had to leave the police force because he delivers justice his own way. Mark Stern, this January on TNT. If you like I've what you, with you I've had it with your antics, Stern. You're out of here. If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at, at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd, where you will hear all kinds of exclusive content. Or you can just make a one-time donation via PayPal because you're crazy like that. And you just want to click that button and give someone ten thousand dollars because you're a you wild think card like Mark Stern. They make they make the world a little better for what they do. Before we go, our weekly shout out. Look, it goes to you guys. It's the holidays. We couldn't do this show without you. We are happy to have you in our lives. Uh, we are taking next week off because we are going to celebrate with our families. Uh, but we are going to be back for the year end show. And we are excited to talk about the best things that happened in comics this year. Totally. Uh, and none of this would be possible without you. So word to you. It's true. And we say, listeners. we throw around guys and dudes a lot, but everyone's included. That's you too, All ladies. inclusive. It's All right? dudes, lady dudes. We cannot help dudes. that we grew up and turned into Ninja Turtles. That's just how we talk. Yeah, all right? it's a cow, <laughs> cowabunga, listeners, all right? I think I think dude is, a, is gender neutral, but that's, you know, whatever. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just steal your erotic fan fiction, start printing it, and claim it for himself. This is the Two-Headed Nerd Signing off. It's a real jerk move. Yeah, no doubt. Fan fi- erotic fan fiction is a personal. Uh, tell jerk. me about it, right? Mm-hmm.